So uh, we've got seven minutes, so I'm going to ask Joey a question. He's going to ask me a question. If you have a question, go up to the mic so we know you're there, and we'll stop and we'll ask, have a, get a question from you. But if you want us to just keep asking questions, we'll do that too. Uh, future of the university and what you're doing with the Media Lab. <laughs> um, so in, in sexy seconds or less. Is, yeah, well, so f first of all, Get, finish your degree. Um, I, I, uh, I think that, again, looking at statistics, I dropped out and was successful, but I was successful despite the fact that I didn't have a degree. It's still statistically more likely, especially if you're a woman or a minority, to have doors open if you get your degree. So if you don't have anything else to do, if you must do something, go do it, but finish your degree. But, um, but, I, but I do think that we're, 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 we have to rapidly transform, and, and I think what, what it's, it's going to be more and more about is, um, so we, we call it for learning, creative learning is the four Ps. It's projects, peers, passion, play. Learn through doing, because learning out of context is not, doesn't work. Um, learn from each other and across age groups and from adults instead of from folk. And then um, passion, obvious, play is really important because creative solutions come when you're playing. Non-creative solutions come when you're under pressure or financially motivated. Look at school today. It's the opposite. Do it by yourself. Don't play. Doesn't matter if you have passion. And everything is abstract and out of context and not attached to a project. So current education is the opposite of creative learning because what you wanted was you wanted people who were predictable, reliable, obedient, and worked in factories or accounting companies where you didn't want people to say, huh, maybe I should try this. You don't want that on the factory floor. But you want that today <laughs> when we're worried about AIs and robots taking over our jobs. Well, of course, we want them to take over our old jobs. And this is why the millennials are so awesome, is they have figured out that it's the four Ps, right? And the adults who don't like the creativity and the play and the projects and the hanging out, you know, it's, my, my sister uses the word hanging out, messing around, geeking out. That's the pathway to learning. You hang out with your friends, you see something that they're interested in, you get interested too, and then you geek out, and in the process of geeking out, I'm a scuba diving teacher is one of my hobbies, then I can teach them math and science and all these things because they want to go dive with the sharks with me, right? And so, so that's the way kids learn these days. And I think we need to change both K-12 all the way through research and deployment to this, this idea. So a question for you. Um, so then we'll go to... Yeah, I, I mean, you, you know, so, so you... I mean, this is a big question too. And I don't think you, you may not have... What next? <laughs> um, and, 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 and tied to sort of your impact because you've done LinkedIn so, so the primary thing that I think about is what are the leverage points by which you upgrade the design of human ecosystems um, and so some of LinkedIn is trying to do that on an economic basis by which to help individuals know how to invest in themselves how to find resources how to be able to adapt in the modern world at a higher speed companies to be able to find them that's one instance um, but then there's other instances. So there's the question, for example, of you know, how do you put uh, networks together in order to create science the right way? That's one of the reasons why you know, what you're doing at the Media Lab is something I stay close to in addition to you. Um, I think that part of the thing that when you look at this, you say, well, okay, take Kiva, which is here in San Francisco, is how do you revolutionize microfinance, like what Kiva's doing with Zip, in terms of taking out the cost structure of a banking infrastructure and then... Um, Michael uh, Fay in the back uh, from Give Directly, very similarly, about how do you apply technology to seriously changing poverty? Because you can change outcomes for people's lives if you change it from a, um, 
from their own ability to kind of you know have a good economic future for themselves, pay for their family, pay for the kids, pay for education, pay for medical things. And so that's one of the reasons why if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said my primary mission was education. It's still a primary mission, but entrepreneurship in these societies and how you create it the right way, including our own, um, is fundamentally important. And that's a very brief answer, which as you know, there's tons of depth. Yep. So we seem to have people lining up for questions. So. Hi, and thank you for the great discussion. Uh, obviously, this is the Academy of Achievement and not the Academy of Failures. But um, speaking of failure, um, a lot of people fail, a lot of companies, a lot of startups, a lot of scientists. And I think it comes down to uh, once you have a good idea, taking that idea and having a group of people that will work with you, managing them and scaling. But there is a fine balance between trusting them, micromanaging, and figuring out the way to scale. And often many companies fail at that point. So I wanted to see if you guys could share your personal experience with that and what advice you had in that regard. Let me go first. Um, so my first startup was a company called, so I've always thought about how you design human ecosystems. So my first company was called SocialNet. So it was always kind of a set of questions around uh, how now that we have this network space that we have identities that we can configure and connect with each other and how does that help our individual lives and how does that help society overall. However, in the first company, um, <laughs> you know, when people say they have learning experiences, you should usually ask where the scars are, how much blood was left on the floor. Um, more or less, that was kind of the thing. And, and what I realized is in starting companies, uh, you actually have to get, you have to realize what your key problems are, and you have to, ad to address, you may not have the solution at the very beginning, but you have to constantly be shooting at that goal, because if you don't succeed, you won't work. And so, for example, one of the fundamental, fundamental things in consumer owner companies is how do you get distribution? How do you raise above the noise? My first company was like, oh, we'll, we'll do advertising. We'll partner with, with newspapers and magazines and so forth. And we launched a partnership with a magazine, uh, or no, a, a um, newspaper in Phoenix. And in the first month, we got six customers from that partnership. And I was like, well, if we had just taken the phone book and called people at random, <laughs> right, we would have had a higher ROI on our time <laughs> in terms of customers. And so what you learn, uh, what the really key thing, one of the mistakes that's frequently uh, ascribed here in Silicon Valley is, you know, we celebrate failure. We do not celebrate failure. We celebrate learning. And what we do is we say, look, failure, if you're learning from it and you're going ahead and you're doing something, that's actually an extraordinarily valuable asset that actually makes, is worth to, it, to uh, invest in. And the key thing in terms of doing that is, like, for example, when I'm uh, talking to an entrepreneur and executive, it's like, okay, what did you learn from these things? Because do you have the right learning uh, clock in order to adjust to what problems you're having in order to make that work? And so uh, SocialNet, uh, you know, basically ended up with a uh, sale for return on capital, was, you know, not a successful company. A company was essentially dismantled and the customer base was folded into another. It had a whole stack of learnings, and that's kind of the key thing in this mm -hmm. for me. And I think Reed's much better at learning than me, and I think oh. that description is better. Well, a, a, a category of learning, because I think I'm, I'm if, if Reed's the strategy side and the logical side, I'm more in, intuition. And so I failed a lot more before. I, I, I probably destroyed 10 companies and spent 10 years never making any money. But I, I, I tried to, I work on my intuition. And so, so I'm not going to go into, into detail, but I would just say that different people have different ways of learning. And you just have to figure out what's, how are you capturing it, and, and are you capturing it and deploying it well. Hi, I'm Nancy Reese. I'm currently with the Johns Hopkins Medicine Business Development Team. And we're trying to do a, a much, much better job with our intellectual assets 
um, and somehow replicate the MIT Media Lab, which is close to my heart as a fellow MIT grad, although I never worked in the Media Lab. So I was just wondering, is it, are you able to sort of consolidate, like how, how, how can we franchise what the MIT Media Lab does well and sort of institute it at a place like Johns Hopkins Medicine? So if I were to distill kind of one element of the lab that, that I'm very focused on is if you look at disciplines, again, I'm gonna be a little bit cliche, but they tend to be peer reviewed, which forces you to go deep which tends to narrow. So it's more and more about less and less. And when you look at the world of science if, as like a big sheet of paper, it's mostly white with little black dots of disciplines. That's how, how I think. And, and the way that people are incentivized is to try to get into one of the black dots and then be the best at it. So at the Media Lab, and, and this is not always true, but generally true, we use the word antidisciplinary. So for faculty as well as students, I don't admit, if I can, anyone who could do what they wanted to do anywhere else and or anyone who would be funded by anybody else, at least at that period in their career. And what you end up with are the people who are the misfits who don't fit in the disciplines. But like a, a, a famous uh, mathematician said once, it's like the study of non-elephant animals. I think that actually that white space is a lot bigger than the little black dots. And so what I would suggest is that if you can come up with a way to give people some space that isn't tied down to peer review, that is not just interdisciplinary, because it's not about connecting the black biology dot with the black chemistry dot. It's about creating a whole sort of fungible hybrid of electrical circuits in biology, for instance, but to give them some way to be measured. And, and for us, it's, it's, it's interesting, because we have a degree program called Media Arts and Sciences, with people getting degrees that are doing opera and doing synthetic molecular biology and doing robots. And, and it's kind of a fake degree in that there are no jobs for <laughs> media arts and science graduates. So I always tell the first year PhD students, I just saw them a couple weeks ago, if I took your degree away at the end of this trip, you have to be able to look back and say it was still worth it. So the object of the degree is not the degree. The degree is just scaffolding for you to enjoy and have learning and things like that. I think that it, with a school at the scale of Johns Hopkins can afford to have that. And that can be this interesting piece that pulls everything together. But I think the only reason the Media Lab exists is Jerry Wiesner, the president at the time. Um, as Nicholas always calls it, it's like driving around with a gorilla in the passenger seat. You know, People stop you and say, OK, keep, move on. You, know, you, you do need some um, institutional uh, uh, willpower to create a, a, a space like that. But I, th I, think that, I think that having that as a prototype for emergent um, disciplines is very important. Uh, and I'll just say Ed Boyden, who's here, he's one of the delegates. He's, um, one of my uh, one of our stars, but and I, I hope Ed doesn't mind when we say this, but I think he got turned down by just about everybody when he was trying to get a job originally. Um, now everybody wants him, you know, and I think that the, that's exactly the characteristic of the people we want are the people that nobody wants because they don't fit in, but that once you invest in them, they become the new thing. And with that, I think we're out of time. Thank you. Thank you.